good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, near or far, high or low, you're listening to the Coach D podcast. Again, it's the special She Got Game series. Um, I'm excited, ecstatic, because um, it's one thing to be following this coach for such a long time and to actually have her on the podcast is a little bit surreal. So uh, I was telling her... Um, off the air but I have to say on the air coach Sarah the founder of Tucky Fit um thank you so much for joining me on this special she got game series yes thank you for having me no problem no problem I think um if I may to start with how I came across you on um Instagram where obviously you see many coaches on the basketball court teaching their players but it was something completely different seeing your page where I was like, wait a minute, first off, she's oh. like a two ball specialist <laughs> and especially with the footwork, I was like, because I think at the time when I saw all these footwork drills, I was kind of just getting into it. And at that time, even now, when I see your videos, your footwork is just like absolutely impeccable. But what made it a bonus for me is it was on a beach. I can I can hear the wind <laughs> and the ocean and the sand. And I was like, this is completely different. So um, that was my first introduction to you and seeing some of the young kids that you have had and are still coaching. And, you know, it was just absolutely amazing to see. And if we can just strip back where you are now to before you was the coach the the football specialist what were some of those um very first images like of basketball for you um so basketball has always been a part of my life uh, since i was growing up young my parents had videos of me always going outside dribbling the basketball when i was anywhere between three or four years old so it's always been yeah interest in my life um however uh i well i did play you know from again whenever i was old enough to start playing competitively (laughs) i think around like third grade uh all the way through high school so i started all four years on my my varsity team as point guard and then sort of a long story short, by the end of my senior year in high school, I became just burnt out from basketball. Um, okay. I noticed that my, yeah, I noticed that my passion for the game just wasn't quite there um, that was needed for the collegiate level. And so although my coaches were encouraging me uh, that I could play if I wanted to and that, you know, they thought I had potential to play at that level, sort of at that time of my life, I just knew that my heart wasn't in it and wouldn't be dedicated uh, to the level that it would need to be right for that level. Uh, So I, I took a personal decision to just discontinue basketball after high school and I decided to just focus on school and kind of enjoy my college years and yeah at at that point in my life I thought I had actually closed basketball like completely from my life I thought I closed that chapter and it wasn't until I visited Hawaii one summer um, I think it was my uh, maybe my senior year in college okay where I met 
uh, Jose, who is actually one of my lead trainers in TakiFit. And when I met him, he actually brought basketball back into my life. So uh-huh. he, yeah, he took, we randomly went to a park one day and started playing like one-on-one. And this was like after I took a four, four and a half year break from pretty much touching any basketball. Wow. And yeah, and so he, um, he actually kind of ignited that passion for me again. And he, he mentioned to me, or he asked me, you know, did you play at the college level? Cause he thought I was really good. And he knew girls at that time that were playing at the collegiate level. And I was like, you know, no, I actually didn't. I decided not to play after high school. And he was really the one that was encouraging me to start playing again. Okay. And he's like, you know, you, you got potential, you can play at the college level and all this. And so that really motivated me. So I was like, oh, you know, you, you know, girls that have already or who are already playing at this level and you think like I am good enough. So uh, when I heard that, I just I started training a lot because I was like, okay, I haven't touched a ball in like four, four and a half years. Right, like I need to get right. back. Yeah, like I need to get back into shape. I need to get my skills back up. I need to get, you know, back just to like game speed and reaction. Right, so right. yeah, so I started doing a lot of training. Um, I would say at least two to three times a day I was working out, whether Ooh, that would be... Yeah, whether that would be on the beach early in the morning, like I'd be going like at 4 or 5 a.m. working out on the beach. Um, and then I would, you know, go to the weight room and then I'd be on the court. So anywhere between like three to four times, I feel like a day. And, you know, I was just really motivated and dedicated. But sort of what it kind of backfired on me, though, because I was training so much that mm, I right. ended up rupturing my ACL and I tore my meniscus um, in a tournament like it was like it was actually like my first like real test coming back because it was like my first organized you know tournament uh, where there's referees and everything so I was really excited to play and it was like the first quarter only like a few minutes into the game where I was like on a fast break I just I planted my left knee to go up for a layup and then the whole thing just went out and um but you know it was truly a a blessing in disguise because this injury actually led me to starting talkie fit Mm -hmm. (laughs) surprisingly Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah see there's there's quite a bit to pick there but i'm curious because there's nothing like the feeling because i i get it sometimes um as a coach especially during this a pandemic you know when I w- went to the court for the very first time a few weeks ago and I'm taking my shots just just trying to shake off the rust but you know as a coach I was thinking mm-hmm. I ain't gonna be that rusty but I took a shot I was like god damn, okay let me start with some legs first. Let me just, you know layouts get a little bit warm start and then somewhere where you're successful the, exactly, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but um for yourself was it um like because I, I don't know like, when you was coming up playing at high school was there that push to play at for a college and if you didn't was there a lot of players kind of in the same shoes as your um as yourself where if they couldn't necessarily play at the collegiate level then they would put their focus elsewhere on my team or during my high school season 
I had a few players on my team who were looking to play college. They do, they did go off and end up playing um, at the collegiate level. And mm. yeah, just for, again, me at that time, I just knew internally that um, I just wasn't, I felt like I wasn't ready for the playing, at least at the college level. Um, And you know, when I really look back at it now, I've realized that I had this kind of self-doubt and confidence issue Mm -hmm. that I've always struggled with, um, you know, since I was young till probably I would say about this year, I finally like conquered that fear. And um, yeah, it, it was just, now that I look back at it, it was definitely me doubting my own potential mm-hmm. because you know like I said earlier I had my coaches that were encouraging me and telling me that I could play at at a college level and for whatever reason I just had this voice in my head that it was doubting myself like oh you know what I'm too small I don't think right. I would be able to commit to school at this high level as well as play to the demands that collegiate basketball have and you know these questions of doubt just sort of circulated in my mind and it became uh, again like this reality to me so I I just decided not to pursue it at the time and right wow I mean it's it's quite interesting because looking at your IG and and just how developed you are with some of the drills a lot of people don't really but I was just saying you know I was um it's funny because I was looking at an um, image of one guy who was standing on top of the hill holding his trophy which represented success and there's people at the bottom of the hill saying oh he can do it and it's so easy but what they don't see is that to get up that hill there was like stones and stuff sticking out that he had to cut himself and things like that so it's kind of just like a long story short like because even me from the outside looking in I would just um, assume that you always had great footwork and the confidence to coach and teach but you actually came from very humble beginnings and if anything that's what makes you even more special as a coach because I'm sure you're able to tap into that shy person who comes to camp who really loves basketball but Mm -hmm. isn't exactly um, confident whether it's with their skill set or or them being Mm -hmm. a vocal leader or things like that so it's very very interesting yeah you know actually it's funny that you mentioned that being a vocal leader because that was also something that I struggled with in high school even though I was I was the captain um, for so many years. Uh, my coaches would always try to get me to lead more too with my voice. They were always trying to encourage me. I would always be a great uh, leader from example. And I would say, I guess a little bit more towards my senior year then I, I did start to become a little bit more vocal going up to my teammates, you know, and speaking to them. Right. Uh, but it was, it was always just the struggle of um, being confident with who I was. I think I would always have uh, a fear of people kind of judging me right or always being cautious of oh well I want them to like me here or what would they think of me if I do this or say this and so you know when you have those fears of um, depending on 
your own happiness and confidence based off of how other people react to you, it, it limits your potential. And um, again, I feel like it leads to this fear where you're just, you know, you're so worried about what other people are thinking that it, it really confines you to, to just being yourself and um, right. reaching your full potential. Right, completely. And when you took that four-year break and, and having the basketball back in your hands, did you, mm -hmm. was you reminded of what felt, like how you felt in love with the sport or did you find a new love and you was able to fall in love all over again, if that makes sense? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. You know, I would say, um, I would say it was the same initial love that I had for basketball. Okay. If I compare it to when I was, you know, a child growing up and just loving to play basketball, loving the competitiveness of it. Um, again, just all the skill sets that go into basketball, I always found really fun and intriguing. So right. I would say, yes, it was, it was definitely that same initial passion. And, right. you know, n now it's just even more, I guess it, it, it's the same passion, um, but now it's kind of gearing more towards helping other athletes find that passion within them and uh, helping build their confidence and just being uh, aware of themselves and, and you know, empowering them to believe in whatever it is they want to get better at, they can with focus. Because I feel right. that as though that was something that I always struggled with growing up. And so if I'm able to help the athletes that I work with kind of find that within them, mm -hmm. I just feel like that's, it's going to be a huge success for them on the court and off the court. Right, right. And I, I like how you said, not just on the court, but off the court, you know, that's, that's super, mm -hmm. super important. And what's the, cause I mean, just hear you mentioning the beach, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> oh, like it's just, oh man, like that, that must be such a amazing experience to have. And I'm, curious what's the basketball coach like in Hawaii so basketball is actually really popular in Hawaii yes. there's leagues all year round uh, you know all the way from adult leagues all year round to the youth and yeah it's a definitely a popular sport and the kids here at least for their club teams they are limited with the amount of variety of competition that they get exposure to just because okay. we are on a small island so right, right. you know being able to travel they only get to maybe like two three times a year to participate in other tournaments that have teams from you know all over uh the united states sometimes other countries um, and every now and then we're able to hold a tournament here where you know teams from the mainland or or sometimes other countries come down but um, yeah, that, that's pretty much how the basketball culture is as of right now in Hawaii. Right. And as a coach, because I always find it interesting how, you know, as coaches, we, we have to continuously kind of self-assess how we're coaching and how we can get better as coaches. Because mm -hmm. the player has yeah. us as a coach to get better but for yourself what are some of the things you do read or or watch or whether it's a case of you just being self aware after a session it could be a case of you know what next time i'll end with this drill or i could have explained it that much more clearer so how do you um as a coach get better 
Uh, so usually, I mean, during the trainings, I will assess, you know, what what are the kids being responsive to? Are they absorbing the information? Are they not getting it? And so before every workout, I'll usually kind of brainstorm or come up with a class plan and I'll try to make those adjustments. And, you know, I have my classes so many times throughout the week that I'm able to readjust, you know, modify things um, and always try to make it better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for me right now, also just being uh, more curious as to looking into ways to help overall performance for basketball or athletics. And, you know, I've been discovering kind of during this whole COVID experience, you know, not being able to train uh, my, my usual program. Right. I've been able to kind of look into different avenues that contribute to one's performance, um, you know, and function on the court and off the court. So mm-hmm. I've been really looking into uh, how the mind connects to the body, being mindful, as well as um, how nutrition plays a factor, what we put into our bodies. And so uh, these factors I have found to be very beneficial, uh, especially for me and the research that I've been doing. And so uh, that is also what I'm looking to incorporate into my program to better my athletes, um, again, on and off the court. Okay, and I'm just, it's, it's, it's so funny because um, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm literally just like hearing the two balls bounce and the footwork, <laughs> like how did that come about just in, in terms of was that just from high school, you've always been into ball handling and you know, you started footwork from early or is that something you kind of got exposed to later on once you transitioned from player to coach? Oh, I've definitely... I feel like every year I've gotten better with my own skills, um, whether it be the footwork, whether it be the two ball handling drills. Uh, but I honestly didn't start the all the two ball handling stuff that you see, uh, you know, on social media. I actually didn't start that until I got injured. So when I did oh, have my ACL tear, yeah, when I did rupture my ACL and meniscus, I again I was in a brace. I wasn't able to bear weight for six and a half weeks. So, you know, my rehab process to come back was very extensive, very long. Um, You know, I basically had to teach myself how to walk and go up and down stairs again. So during this time, I decided to focus my attention on the things that I still had control over, which was, you know, my rehab. And at that time, since I, you know, couldn't run or do much, I could stand in one place still. And I decided to just teach myself these two ball drills. (laughs) And so when I started, you know, I was horrible. I couldn't do any (laughs) of the things that I could do now. Like half the time I was hobbling through the gym just to get the ball because I would be losing (laughs) it every time. So yeah, I started like that. And, you know, I just decided one day I'm going to start documenting my progress with this, with my rehab and the two ball drills. And people just... I started posting on my Instagram and people just grew fond of it and they really enjoyed watching my progress and they found it motivational. And, you know, through this process of me uh, just becoming better at these two ball drills, people just started inquiring too about training. And 
because they would always see me working out. Right. And, you know, prior to my injury, um, I was working out all the time. And so I had friends and my friend's kids, they would want to jump into the workout. So, nice. uh, so yeah, you know, I was kind of working out everybody just for the fun of it. And so I, I feel as though the two just kind of grew together, you know, me working with people uh, before my injury and then now getting the attention of just my motivational posts of the two ball drills and right. my rehab process that people just started inquiring more about training and that's when I decided to create TakiFit. Oh man, and if you could just talk on how TakiFit came about, what that offers and the impact that you've seen on the players from your program. Um, yeah, so we started about about four years ago so the kids who started in our program were probably in fourth fifth grade at the time okay and so yeah each year we again we've seen them grow and us as a program we're always looking to do better and improve ourselves and make it the most efficient program as possible and so it's great to see that determination um, be reflected in the players' improvements. And, you know, when they're dedicated to our program, we really see their skill level and their confidence rise. And, right. you know, now the kids that started in our program, they're now enter starting to enter high school. And, uh, you know, they had great freshman years, some of them being their top players on their team as a freshman. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been, uh, it's been a journey and it's been great seeing everyone's improvements, both the coaches within our program growing, as well as the athletes, you know, as we right. grow, they grow. And it's, right. it's just, it's a great thing to see. <laughs> exactly. Because I think the one thing that makes me smile so much is, I, I don't know why it is, but I love seeing, and this, 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 it's no shots to my former players who might be listening to my 18 and up I still love you guys but for some reason to <laughs> see like a 8 or like a 12 year old do like a double cross layup just mm -hmm. looks nice to me I don't know what it <laughs> is maybe it's because they're like small in stature but it's just like just seeing these kids and one thing that amazes me and I try to apply is you know not because we might have an 8 year old or someone who's young you you or at least sometimes i would kind of hold back on how advanced mm. or complicated mm -hmm. i would make some of the drills but there's been some kids that i've been fortunate enough to coach where they pick up on things quick and they're doing combinations right. that i usually don't start teaching until they're under 16 yeah. under mm -hmm. 18 and and your social media your page has like amazing examples of that and one thing mm -hmm. i want to say specifically is the girls that i see there is just <laughs> ballers like even sometimes when i see them taking on the um adults and you think they're going oh, yeah. a little soft they're going hard they're trying to get yeah. you they're trying to click <laughs> some ankles it is like oh man absolutely amazing to see absolutely yeah. amazing. i mean um i think like how you just mentioned though when you're when you as a coach are able to teach a younger athlete whether that's you know four years old eight years old like you mentioned if you're able to teach them a skill set that typically older athletes don't learn, you know, till later on in their careers, I feel as though that's just a reflection of how good of a teacher you are. Mm. And that's what I really find 
joy in and I kind of find it like a game within is can I get this younger athlete to perform the same skill sets as you would give let's say maybe like you know someone in middle school or maybe right. even in high school you know depending on the age difference but right. uh, to me it, again I find joy in that because I feel as though it shows um, it's a reflection of my own teaching ability. How would you um describe yourself as a coach in in terms of are you very um I mean I know a small sample of what I've seen but if you kind of had to describe your um, coaching style how would you label it? That's a good question. I'd have to think about that for a second. <laughs> um, you know uh, to me I feel as though I'm always evolving. I'm mm. always trying to be a better version of myself so um, you know I, I'm always looking for the best interests of the athletes and just always being understanding that everybody is different. So everyone's going to respond and be motivated in different ways. Um, and so, you know, again, like we talked about earlier is just no noticing when athletes aren't quite getting what you're trying to teach them. Right. Um, again, to me, I feel as though that's a reflection of you as a teacher. So yes. if they're not understanding it, you know, it's, I shouldn't be getting frustrated or <laughs> impatient with them because it's me, I'm the teacher. I'm supposed to be able to get their attention, get right. uh, presented in a way where they're gonna uh, absorb it, right? And so when those times happen, I'm usually, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at just using my intuition and understanding, okay, they're not understanding this part of it. They can't get this footwork down. So then I, think to myself okay well what can I do to now modify the drill where they are forced to do this footwork now or how do you break it down basically and so mm -hmm. sometimes that inquires me working backwards teaching right. a drill backwards right. um, but yeah just always um, being aware that and understanding that everybody's different understanding that everybody may be going through uh, different situations that they have to deal with maybe that's not even uh, related to basketball something at home something at school right. and so just taking that into consideration um, and, and always understanding that it's it's my responsibility as a teacher um, and as you know the the one that they look up to right now to take right. all those factors into consideration and present it in a way that they will be receptive to it you must be the queen of demonstrations because I mean if, <laughs> if, if I was a player because it's just the, the speed and when you said I mean I didn't want to assume so I kind of waited for you to say you know coming up as a point guard yeah I knew it just the skill set <laughs> and the finesse I was like that's definitely a point guard but it's quite um, interesting because I think well for me personally um, as a coach I I'm, I'm not sure if I'm overcompensating or um, doing the opposite because I kind of, coming up as a player, I lacked um, organization. You know, my, my mm. um, development was pretty much the coach would turn up. I'm not going to say names, but um, <laughs> the coach would turn up literally like five minutes before our game. And we literally had to get warm in like two minutes coach will shout at me for missing a three I'll be like coach mm. I haven't even touched the ball yet obviously I wasn't saying it I was thinking it in my head yeah. but it's just like even to now that's why when I coach I tend to be at times very OCD with the 
details, time management, session plans. So right. for for yourself, you know, was there anything that you was neglected off when you was coming up that you kind of make sure that the kids that you're coaching don't go through that same experience? Oh, great question. Um, yeah, you know, to me, I I feel as though I may have I may have also lost passion for the game just because I felt like it wasn't as fun anymore. Um, You know, the game, the games were always fun, you know, playing in the games were always fun. But then uh, for whatever reason, just, you know, practices became, it felt like a chore kind of. Um, I don't know what the cause of that was. It may have just been because I was playing basketball all year round, you know, on so many different teams that I was just getting burnt out from the practice mode of it. Um, but I, I notice, but what I do know is that I wasn't having as much fun as I was before. And so for me in my program, I feel that it's very important to make sure that it's always fun for the kids. It's always fun for the athletes. Cause if it's not fun, nobody's having fun. Right. And if you're not having fun, well, what are you here for? Right. I feel as though you know, you are motivated because you find joy and actual happiness in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you take that away, you know, it's like, what, what is the point of being here? You know, it's, it's, it becomes like a chore then. Understood. Understood. That's, that's so well said because I, I think earlier in my coach and I kind of tended to be very um, strict and like you said it was rather mm-hmm. than it being fun it was more of a like you have to do a layup this way but mm-hmm. I think the beauty about basketball and life is that you know one thing I've learned is that you know the only thing to an extent um, that is consistent is change you know just, just in terms of right. basketball yeah. is constantly changing you know like centers mm-hmm. can now shoot three centers can now do euro right. steps and things yeah. like that so it's it's constantly um it's it's a uh, i don't know I, I find myself kind of battling my old philosophies versus my new ones that i want to start teaching the kids so for yourself you know did you kind of have a um philosophy that you started with and what are some of the things that kind of broke down that built into new adapted teaching points that you have now yeah great question i would say i was very similar to what you just mentioned where i would plan these classes out very detail oriented very strict on time and i would sometimes be just so stuck to the plan and so Mm -hmm. dedicated to no they have to get this done no they got to do it perfectly And, you know, I've come to realize, just like you mentioned, you know, basketball is always changing. It's just like life. Life is always changing and evolving. And so, you know, you can't always have all this control over everything. And it's better to kind of flow and and let it, you know, if we don't get this done today or if you're not getting it done perfectly, that's okay today. This is where we are right now. And that's Uh just happens to be what it is in that present moment. And so, you know, um, I've learned to flow with with how the athletes are um, performing that day. Uh, I have a good idea of what I want to get done, but it's not so to the, to the T where I have to get this done. You right. have to do it perfectly. You know, it's more of me flowing with it and being able to adapt 
and being okay with what we get done that day and whatever the progress is with the athletes are that day that's mm-hmm. accepting that for what it is and then again taking that as information and and putting it into the next workout okay well what did work where are we now how can i make it beneficial for the next time we meet right right and um would like what are some of the things you would say that you've seen with with some of the players that you work with that you kind of notice a common tendency that the players seem to be lacking whether that's i don't know um, iq or footwork decision making you know just certain fundamentals that are missing or have has there been a common tendency that you've noticed or is every player kind of just different I mean, every player is different. I would right. say the most common thing, though, that I've seen, it has nothing to do with the physical skill set. Uh-huh. It has everything to do with their mentality. A lot of players and just kids now, though, too. Um, I see a lot of self-doubt and lack in confidence, too, uh, where, you know, when they mess up, they get down on themselves or sometimes they they don't even feel like trying something new or you know they're really scared just to go hard on a drill because you know they might lose the ball or they don't want to look foolish in front of everybody right. um that is something that i've definitely noticed and that's why it's you know a priority kind of in our program to really help kids and athletes just feel comfortable you know being themselves uh, understanding that messing up is part of the process of you learning and mm. becoming a better player. And then um, that that is how you build confidence and just providing that environment where they can feel safe of messing up, uh, being themselves and just giving them opportunity to grow and, and again, just be more comfortable with who they are. Right, right. Oh, man, I'm, I'm starting to miss my little munchkins now man serious this, this kind of <laughs> yeah. needs to end soon man because um there's there's nothing more as a coach that you can have when you know whether it's you've worked with a team or a kid and it could be them making a layup or a jump shot and they mm-hmm. actually pull it off in the yeah. game and <laughs> right. you two have that moment it's just like I'm not, I'm not like, gonna cry you don't know who's I'm more co- excited you yeah, it's just oh my <laughs> gosh it's just like oh man like I remember when um this was my first time having my under 12 since I think a couple years ago and it was quite interesting because it kind of reminded me of what my under 16s were like when they were 12 you know they're very shy you know kind of asking a million and one questions who we're playing are they good how tall are they coach and there was this one girl that you know her first game you could you could see the nervousness and and as a Mm -hmm. coach you you just want to do everything to put a cocoon around that player but (laughs) it's, it's, it's trying to find that balance of okay i'm gonna protect you to an extent like i'm i'm here the bench is here but like you know you kind of have to go out and and go through your own experiences and Mm -hmm. literally six games in coach like usually i would i would kind of pull out to the side right i just want you to take a deep breath before the free throw shoot the ball Mm -hmm. forget about the ball going in i just want to see a good clean free throw coach when i tell Mm -hmm. you the sixth game right 
I pull her to the side. Usually I'm telling her what I need. She's telling me, oh, and I know what to do, coach. I'm gonna say who I'm marking, make sure they don't. I was like, just, just go play. Just go play. Like, you, just, you just know, I mean, so for yourself, and I know that there's gonna be many, many more proud moments to come. You know, what are some of the ones that stick out to you the most, would you say? Oh gosh, we've had quite a few. Nice. Um, you know, just again, when you see, for instance, when a child comes in and let's say they're just, this has happened a few times where okay. they are very young too, like I think Less maybe like four or five oh. years old, and they're just so scared, like they don't, they don't <laughs> even participate their first their first day there because right, right. they're just too shy to, to enter a group. You know, yeah. they they don't know. Um, they just don't feel comfortable being around a, a group of other kids. And so, um, you know, once we start kind of working them in, getting them comfortable uh, just to join the group and finish the group that day, it, you know, these baby steps when you see their progress, right. you know, just getting them to finish the whole training that day, that's a success. And then right. when we have, before all of our trainings, we have a team huddle where the kids have to speak you know we always have like an icebreaker and they have to speak and then seeing these kids being confident and comfortable responding to a group you know of their peers that that's also to me a, a success story within itself there right. and, and like you mentioned just seeing the kids um you know maybe starting off not very confident within themselves performing a a move or you know going and attacking the basket uh, in a live situation, you know, uh, you can just see it in their demeanor. They're not uh, very confident or they get down on themselves. And then again, just seeing seeing how you help them kind of gain that skill, gain that confidence, and you're seeing them now utilize it in a game setting and you're seeing the success just on their own face of believing in themselves. Um, I feel like those are huge um, accomplishments. Uh, and, you know, we've also had kids come to us who have had no experience playing basketball whatsoever. And we get them like two months before their high school tryouts. Oh. And, you know, they, they make their JV team. And so nice. to me, that nice. that's, again, that's just being, being in the position that I am, uh, I feel very blessed and fortunate just to, again, help whoever I encounter just empower them with their own confidence within themselves and showing them that you know they can achieve goals that they may feel are not you know impossible almost just uh -huh. because they just don't uh they don't know if they can achieve it because they've never done it before and so right. that's why they lack confidence and then when you're able to kind of slowly gradually build that confidence within them and then they see themselves succeed it's just Again, it just rises their confidence more, and right. uh, it's just that whole process of focusing, believing in yourself, and then slowly working on it each day. Where um, again, they see success, and I feel like that goes a long way with anything they want to achieve in life. How do you teach the um, process and the patience? Because I think with <laughs> some of the kids that I have, you know, they, they kind of understand, like they'll see me make a layup. And I guess one adaption I'm going to add is, you know, I'm not expecting you to 
make it the first time but you know just focus on the footwork and the follow-through and then eventually as you continue to be consistent and have the patience you know um you will get it that way so for yourself as a, as a coach is, is there anything that you do different or just how important is you know just teaching the process and the patience especially kids at a young age to kind of just like it's the process it's the patience that will get you there right you know i feel as though i'm still working on um, finding the right process i'm sure Understood. it's gonna always right. be an ongoing uh growth for me of finding the right process it's always going to be changing it's always going to be developing like we mentioned basketball is always changing right, um right. but for me i feel as though it's a balance between just gaining confidence first mm -hmm. and then also also being able to execute the details of whatever skill set it is that you're trying to teach so um for instance if it's shooting for a young athlete that's you know maybe five years old if they can't reach the eight foot rim at all that we have up then i'll bring in like a laundry basket okay. <laughs> and just hold it up for them to I shoot it, it. just so it. they can yeah just so they can see their ball go in something right, not them just always right. chasing the ball they're always chasing the ball they're never making the shot right? right so for me that's again i feel as though if i can get them mentally confident and feeling good about themselves doing this first then and, and you know at the same time they're also just overall building their strength now we can slowly start transitioning you right into okay now see if you can start making it up here or mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what i do is just give them a goal that is achievable for them first right and then once they can achieve that then again you just raise the bar a little bit higher and it's mm -hmm. like i feel as though it's important of knowing how high to raise the bar for somebody and every again everybody's different some people can take on a bigger challenge right. and they want to work towards that challenge you know they're motive they're self-motivated they're going to do whatever it takes to get there and there's some people where you got to set the bar a little lower because uh you know that um they might fa face self-doubt right away as soon as they see themselves um not succeed and so you just you kind of got to play with that bar i feel like of how, okay how high do i raise it um, how much can I challenge this athlete? And it's just finding that ratio and again, giving them a goal that they can achieve though. Right, right. It's, it's quite funny because there's, um, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced it um, as a coach where some players kind of have that little cheeky confidence, like, okay, I can make a few freeze coach let's go one-on-one -on -one. i'm like listen little timmy look okay <laughs> i don't want to do this to you but we can go but look listen you've got your little jump shot shit with another coach I can you one -on -one. that's why sometimes i have to make sure I, I, i'm in shape you know literally if i get to the point right. coach where i can't jump as much or i can't make a layup then that's where i'm gonna just take mm. a step back and just i'm just be a very verbal coach and just go for the <laughs> demonstrations extra slow but yeah there's right. always those students which i find quite funny oh man and yeah um, we have in our we have in our program they can challenge any of the coaches and if they win they get a shirt oh wow <laughs> okay yeah oh okay. and so for me too like like you just said you know um because I am still fortunate enough to still be playing and yes. you know able to move and all that. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because like I I love playing the kids and you know they they like challenging us and everything and <laughs> you know with my size too like I'm not very tall so 
when, when they are younger, quick. when they are younger, you know, like at this, um, you know, at a younger age in their life, like in elementary still, right. uh, I'm going to go, uh, like, I'm going to go at them <laughs> and hit them up with all kinds of moves because I know once they reach like high yep. school, they're going right. to be towering over me and I'm just going to, okay, now is my time to show you that, you know what, right. <laughs> I was able to teach you this and do this to you and right. now you can have that in your bag. <laughs> right, right. I do not blame you, coach, as you should. As you should, because some of these kids have a growth spurt where they were like six two, now right. they're six seven. I'm like, what did you eat over the summer? Like, what yeah. is going on? It's, it's it's crazy. And um, wow. Um, we kind of both had an experience um where we got to meet, uh, rest in peace and guidance and strength to the family and friends of the legend that is Kobe Bryant and. Gigi. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to see him from a distance, which was still amazing um for yourself uh how did that meeting come about and and was you like oh my gosh i'm actually like this is this is Kobe," or was you like no just uh, be be calm coach just be calm let me uh, know like you you know like how was that whole experience for you yeah that was um definitely a highlight of my life that i've never expected or could have foreseen coming at all Um, It was actually, I was at training that day where it was on a Saturday and that's a day where we train like all day from, you know, 8 a.m. to 4 o'clock pretty much. And in the middle of the day, I got a voicemail and it was um, a lady saying that, oh, I have a high profile client. Uh, Please give me a call back when you get a chance. And so the whole time at training, I was like, okay who is this high profile client like <laughs> right. who could it possibly be right. and and at that time you know i knew kobe bryant was following me on instagram um because i you know i checked his profile and it said that he was following me and right. you know he, he only he followed less than like 100 people i think right, right. and so i was like well, why is he following me? (laughs) You know, it kind of popped in my head of like, uh, is it him? Like, no, no way, it's not him. (laughs) And so finally, like, you know, I'm just in my mind the whole time of training, like, okay, who could this person be? Like, who could this person be? And so after training, when I finally got a chance to give them a call back, yeah, she told me that it was, you know, Kobe Bryant and that he would like me, he would like to bring me in uh, to train Gigi. And so... You know, I was uh, completely shocked at the I, time. I was just like... I almost paid it for you. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I, just, I just need to... Oof, okay, wow. Yeah, it was just um, just so surreal that it was like, uh, you know, like, how... I just had so many questions in my mind. And again, um, th- that experience, though, being able to work with Gigi for the first time, it was... Uh, you know, it was just very eye-opening to me and my mm. own potential uh, that, you know, one of the greatest of all time who's ever played the game of basketball right. believes in you and trusts you to work with his own daughter. Mm. Um, and, you know, like he can get anyone he wants. Like he this has access so to true. anyone that he wants, you know? Right. And so um, for him, you know, reaching out to me, and asking me to work with his daughter for that first time, it was really just an eye opener for me that, 
Um, you know, uh, what I'm doing is I'm obviously doing a good job of it because one of the greatest of all time wants you to work with his daughter. And right. so that's kind of what that first encounter was. And then when he asked me to come back a second time to work with his whole team, with the Mambas, wow. um, you know, that was, again, reassurance to what I was doing because, um, yeah, I, I, like I told you, I've always struggled with self-doubt and, right. and confidence. And so, uh, you know, the time when he did pass, uh, again, that was a very tragic moment. And, you know, that's like a lot of people in the world uh, that really hit me hard and um you know no, knowing that i knew everybody on the helicopter pretty much uh, besides the pilot it was um it, it really kind of rocked me emotionally where i took a step back and was able to reflect on all the things though that these people um have made me realize right. uh, within myself and that was that lack of self-confidence and self-doubt because um you know i realized that i was always questioning why did kobe choose me like when when he passed I, that made me really reflect on why did he choose me you know uh -huh. and um for me personally i just always had this voice in my head that had this own description of me, of my own basketball journey. Right, kinda. right. It was always degrading myself. I was saying, you know, like, oh, I'm this five foot Asian girl that grew up in a surfer town as a minority where basketball isn't, you know, that big. Um, and then I moved to Hawaii and, you know, on this tiny island where again, basketball isn't like well known here, at least on the big scale. Right. And so it's like, how did this, Kobe Bryant, greatest of all time, right. like find me, you know? And I was like, why is he choosing me? And and so when I finally had the chance to ask him too, why did he choose me? Um, again, he told me that he initially started following me because he, he saw me dribbling like two basketballs on the beach and he thought that was phenomenal. Right, <laughs> so right. he, that's how I first got his attention. And then uh, he was saying, you know, once he was really like looking at the drills that I was giving to the kids, he was really impressed with just the attention to detail, the mm. fundamentals that I um, put into it and the creativity that I had. Um, that That's why, you know, he he liked what I did and brought me in. And so, you know, once I heard that and I reflected on it, it just made me realize that, you know, if he believes in me and it wasn't quote, quote, just a fluke, because, you know, he brought me back again, that, you know, I really need to believe in myself, you know, right. he sees the potential in me, and I need to believe in it myself. And that's, um, again, was a very significant moment in my life. And I'm right. very grateful that I had that opportunity to meet right. him and, and work with his team and, and Gigi, because it's, it's really been um, a significant pivoting moment in my life. If I may ask, um, being in that scenario, given that role, did you, was you coaching Gigi and the team not as yourself, if that makes sense? Like, as in, was you coaching as you or was you coaching how you thought other people should view you i'm not i'm not sure that, if that's, yeah if that's no that's a great well. question oh no I yeah yeah no yeah that's a great question and 
um, you know, honestly, like the first time and the second time I came back, like the first training, I was so nervous. Like I had, I, like I, I just had be, so I much, be, yeah. Right. I had so much anxiety at that time because I was focused on worrying about pleasing Kobe, right? Right. Worrying about what are the girls going to think of this? Like, how am I going to, you know, get them um, receptive to it? How am I going to make it fun for them? Like, I was so focused on what the other people were going to think of me that it just caused all this anxiety within mm-hmm. me. And it wasn't until, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even think, well, now Kobe probably knows cause he's listening. Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I had a major like anxiety attack that, well, like my second trip down the first like two trainings, like I was almost having like a panic attack. My other trainer, Jose was with me. And you know, if you guys ever heard him talk he would tell you the story, but um, yeah, it was very nerve wracking because again, I was so focused on what the other people would think of my workout that I wasn't even being true to myself. Like mm-hmm. this is what I do. Like I do right. this on a this daily it. basis. This it's kids, it. you know, it's the same kids you work with. It doesn't matter whose kids they are. Right. They're kids at the same age playing basketball. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, exactly. um, and so it wasn't until maybe like the second because I was able to work with the Mambas for um, for uh, the week. It wasn't maybe until like the second, after the second training that I really got back to myself of understanding that no, okay, I need to be confident within myself and do what I know how to do best, which is teach, which is teach basketball. Right. And so, um, yeah, those first two days, although the workouts went well, Internally, I was not doing so well. <laughs> mm-hmm, right, but, of course, um, of course. But overall, the workouts went well. Um, right, and then the awesome. rest of the week, you know, it felt a lot better. Awesome, I love that because I definitely because I was in a well, I, I wouldn't say similar, but you know, I was in a position where because I was so used to me being a coach and I'm assessing the players I kind of got to a point where I was the coach for the whole of London and it was a point where I had to get certain players from London to play for GB and at first I was like okay that means I need to be extra strict or I need to Mm. be Mm -hmm. extra attention to detail and then I was like well coach like they they selected you for a reason just 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 be you you know you you Mm -hmm. just kind of just you have to just block out everyone that's watching you and and just coach right. how you coach so it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's an interesting i'll say battle being a coach because you have to look at yourself a lot um criticize what you can do better and there's sometimes where you're in a session and like just mid drill you're like is this the right drill like is this too early to put in should i be doing this later should because but mm-hmm. yeah it's a interesting battle being a coach i would say yeah and i think you know um it both the coach and the athlete experience that right. um, worrying about what other people think uh you know when they play in a game uh being fearful of messing up or being fearful of oh the coach isn't gonna is gonna pull me out if i do this or worrying about are my teammates gonna like me if i do this it's it's sort of the same 
scenario, um, like you mentioned, right? Like as a coach, uh, you're getting selected to coach a, a more competitive or high profile right. uh, camp or league or whatever it may be. And you're kind of, you're doing the same thing. You know, you're worrying about, <laughs> is my skill set going to be up to par with right. the expectations? And right. so um, it all comes back to, again, not worrying about what other people are thinking of you, but internally knowing um, yourself and being comfortable with yourself and understanding that you may mess up, but how do we go about after we mess up is what really makes the difference. Um, and so again, if you can, I feel like keep that positive mindset Definitely. and understanding, you know, understanding that if you mess up, it's okay, but how do I, what, what are my actions next? Or what's my mindset after that? And it should be, you know, take it as a learning point, use it as motivation to, okay, now what can I do better? Um, and, you know, I feel like as if, if you keep doing that, whether you're the athlete, whether you're the coach, it's just going to help you grow. Completely, completely. And from when you started coaching and playing to where you are now, have you seen an increase of the level of girls participating in basketball? Like, how have you seen that whole measurement? Hmm, that's a good question. From when I started playing basketball to now? Yes. Um, well, there's definitely more uh, leagues and tournaments, you know, being offered all year round. So I feel as though the opportunities to play have definitely increased for you. Right. So with that, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there has been a big increase in the number of female athletes who now participate in in basketball uh for me growing up though i feel as though it was um accessible at least for me where i grew up right. uh for females to be playing basketball I, I you know i played uh basketball all year round pretty much uh so it was um you know once i got a little bit older like middle school i started playing um all year round um but it was offered everywhere like rec leagues uh aau there'd be um, where I grew up, at least there were leagues for Asian descent too. So it was nice. it was always very accessible to me. Right. Um, although I feel like today it's just it's overly accessible. And so oh, interesting. Uh, you know, more, overly. Okay. more kids are playing now. Right, right. Nice. That is, that is so cool. And I've kind of just lost my, oh, that's, that, that's what I wanted to say. One thing I admire about yourself and and i pay very close attention to players who are quote unquote undersized for their position mm -hmm. because i resonate a lot with that because you know um one of the teams that i coach being um the giants basketball it'll be a consistent theme when i'll put in my under 14s or under 12s we're like the smallest team mm -hmm. out of everyone who's got that one 14 year old who's like already 6'2 or something and yeah you know it just kind of became a mindset of you know like the one thing that I like about your self coach is that you may be five foot but you have the confidence of a 6'8 person you know <laughs> so it's, it's, it's right. I think that's the most important thing and if anything you have the advantage because you have to be a lot more crafty and skill mm -hmm. really comes into play and stuff like that so just shout, shout out to you 
serious. It's up to you. Yeah. Right. I mean, the smaller you are, it's going to be harder for you. That's just what it is. The harder right. it is, you, you sort of have to work. But like you said, the biggest part, and which is why, you know, I feel that it's very important for me to start incorporating this into my program is it all starts with your mindset. Mm-hmm. Like if your mind isn't there, you're not going to be there 100%. And, well and like you said, um, you know, I've always, I never realized how small I was. <laughs> like until I see myself in a picture or a video, like next to quote, quote, normal sized people. I'm like, oh right. man, like I am really tiny. Um, but in my mind, when I'm playing, I'm not tiny. Like this I'm, is it. I'm pretty, av- I'm like, like average size compared this to other people. It. And it's like, I'm not though, but I play that way because my mind is telling me that, no, I deserve to play here. I can play here. And so, I play and um, you know, I'm sometimes there's guys on the court that are like six, seven and stuff that I'm playing against, but it's like, I'm just playing and still going out, going floaters over them and stuff because in my mind, I feel, I know I can. Right. And right. you know, when you know you can, then um, again, your actions follow. And so it has to start within the mind uh, for your body and actions uh, to follow through with it. I think something that doesn't really get spoken about a lot and and I'm curious to get your take on um, coming back from injury what was some of those mm. um, it doesn't even have to be games what was when you was 100% physically but mentally you may have been at a 50 or 60 you know how did you kind of gain the confidence to kind of be comfortable with okay I'm 100% healed so I can go hard in a drill which kind of led to you playing in scrimmages or games where you fully felt comfortable playing um you know that grew over time like the confidence in my ability just based off of how my knee felt that was always a process Um, Mm -hmm. you know just getting stronger uh, slowly working on it each day you know I had to start from again from learning how to walk to jog, to run, and then agility, you know, going side to side and whatnot, stopping going. Um, so that was always a process. But what didn't change was my overall mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, my overall mindset was I was at any point at, from the, when the injury uh, took place through my whole rehab process, my right. mindset was always the same where I was never down on myself. I never felt sorry for myself. I was, um, surprisingly to many people, (laughs) uh, very excited about my injury. Like I had this opportunity, I took it as an opportunity um, for me to come back even stronger. Like I, at this time, uh, I was actually contemplating too on becoming a physical therapist. So Uh. I just, thought of it as you know this is a great opportunity now for me to actually go through this rehab process right. you know if I do become a physical therapist now I can relate to the patients because I I've been through the process myself like I'm right. excited to see how this goes right. and um, you know when I got injured I realized I experienced my injury because I was overusing my body so much I was not moving functionally uh, mm-hmm. the way I'm supposed to move so every time I was working out, every time, you know, I played, I was putting the same stress on the same joints, which was my knee. Right. And so eventually, right, it went out. And so understanding this, I 
also took it as the opportunity for me to fix my entire body. Okay, now I can really focus on getting my core activated, you know, getting um, you know, my glutes and everything firing properly and realigning right. my body. Now right. I have the time to do it. And so, um, again, I don't regret anything. I believe everything happens for a reason in life. Uh, this injury has led me to Taki Fit, right. and it's also led me to my passion of just also providing this service to the athletes that I work with. Just again, having them be more in tune with their body, um, understanding that. Uh, you know, you don't want to overwork. You don't want you don't want to play basketball all year round. Mm -hmm. It's important to take breaks and be a multi-sport um, athlete, especially you know growing up. Um, uh, you know, up until like even early high school years, you should take breaks and do multi-sports. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, with this background and my own experience, I'm now able to help the athletes that I work with. Right. Right, and one thing I love about Tucky Fit and your Instagram page, and you can probably tell I'm such a fanboy right now, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> um, the, the, Thank you for your support. I appreciate no, it. Of, of course, of, of course. Like I, I love the youth and the kids. Like you get them early and really teach them the fundamentals and the skill set. Sorry, the skill set. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm needed that will carry them on later down their player pathway so why is youth basketball so important for yourself and the whole Tucky fit program um you know like like you mentioned i i uh, i love getting the youth also actually because uh, they're just so they don't know um much yet right they're so uh, raw you can yep. teach them anything and they're very True. receptive and like I mentioned earlier, the mindset is so huge. Like if mm -hmm. you can have the right positive mindset, Ugh. again, it's not only going to help you on the court, it's going to help you so much oh, off the court so that true. when you do get them young, it's easier to motivate them and give them that, that positive feedback, feed them positivity. And again, they're just going to absorb it more. Mm -hmm. And um yeah it's with anything actually that you give to younger athletes whether it's teaching them a different movement pattern uh you know correcting and correct to correct their movement it's just it's usually easier to catch them at an earlier age than later down the line after let's say like you know 20 years later when they built so many habits both mentally and physically right you right. build these habits as you it. go and so breaking those habits and changing them it, it takes time and it takes um you know uh consciousness of it and work so again when you get them younger it's easier for them to just learn it since they don't know it yet uh -huh. um they can make these changes earlier in their life than later on not saying you can't want later on it's just right. it, it usually is a little bit more of a problem no, yes it is yeah it, it really is because i've dealt with some of those players where I kind of offer them something in a world. My coach told me, I'm like, okay. And it, you just kind of have to just slowly kind of usher in a new mindset. And if they are open-minded, then they can make that small adjustment. Mm -hmm. Right. Fingers crossed, because I'm, I'm itching to get back and I'm sure you're itching to get back coaching. What's the plans that you have for yourself and 
Kentucky fit when when everything is back up and running for yourself as a coach as well? Yeah. Um. So actually, for Oahu, uh, for Hawaii, we are actually able to start at at some locations at least. Nice, nice. Um. Some of the gyms are opening back up. So actually, this Sunday, uh, we'll be having our group training, um, over in Mililani. Uh, so that's kind of our our footstep to coming back. Awesome. Uh, as of right now, I I am continuing to do Zoom classes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, that would be I'm not quite sure what that is for London, but uh, <laughs> but London can can jump in. Definitely. Uh, but I do have um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Our beginners go at 10 a.m. Hawaii time, and okay. then our intermediate advanced go at 11:30 a.m. So that would sorry, 11.30 a.m. point in time. That, would so be that might be the evening for us. So no right. excuses, no excuses. That is <laughs> all cool. I like it. I like it. So, uh, I mean, if, yeah, if anybody um, listening to this wanted to join, you can just go to TalkyFit.com to register. We act- I actually just put the July schedule up nice. and we have a package deal going on right now. So for um, each class is an hour long. So for 14 classes, um, it'd be a hundred dollars. And if you just want to sign up to individual classes, you don't want to commit to the whole month. We right. have options for that too, of just um, $10 a class. And so Monday, Wednesday, we focus on um, ball handling. So uh, what, again, what I'm really dedicated to right now is helping athletes incorporate their mind with their physical skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll do before we work out. We'll actually do some focus exercises to get their mind prepared for the workout, nice. and then actually go into the workout. and And it's been great actually getting the athletes' feedback. They've actually noticed a difference in the quality of their like effort and their focus during the workout. Okay. Um, you know, some of them have said that they've actually felt, uh, you know, being calmer uh, either when they play or even you know, outside of basketball, because they, they learn these techniques. Um, and then on Friday, we have an athletic performance class where, uh, again, I focus on the mind first, and then um, just being aware of the body, working on mobility and function and some agility work too, while being mindful at the same time. Nice, nice. Well, for anyone who isn't following Tucky Fit, what are you doing? You mm-hmm. need to follow it right now. All the info <laughs> is going to be in the description because when I tell you I've been like truthfully speaking inspired by just the just the Aww. way you remix things you know because I've I've <laughs> I've seen one drill from 10 coaches and they're all doing it the same way whereas you like it's the same concept but in your way that just for me it just mm-hmm. registers completely different so just before we <laughs> wrap up out of all the sports coach and you know kind of falling out of basketball getting back into basketball and all the experiences Mm -hmm. that you've gained from it why is basketball important to you why is basketball important to me you know it's always been a passion and love that i've had for the game and now that i have the chance to help others on their own journey. Um, It's just, it's a blessing. And I feel as though you can use basketball as a focal point or as a lens to help people with life. 
life in general. Um, and so to me, basketball is life. Uh, you know, you can help others through the lens of basketball, the sport that they enjoy playing, uh, teach them things about just themselves, understanding themselves more. And again, helping their mindset of being positive, understanding the importance of focus and again, just uh, believing in themselves where they can achieve pretty much anything if they keep those components, positivity and focus. So true. So true, guys. That is it from the She Got Game series. I want to thank you, Coach Sarah, for joining me on the podcast. And right, listen, is that here's the thing now, right? Players who I coach and just players all around the world. If you are five foot and above, you have no <laughs> excuses. I don't want to hear none of this whole, I'm too small to play that. I'm like, you know what? You see I mean, this yeah, here, pretty Sarah? small. Five feet is pretty small. <laughs> hey, I, see, on, I coach. have always been the shortest on the court. Hey. I think I can confidently say that, yeah. There we go. <laughs> and and if, you, if you see her get down and get busy with the handles and the shooting, like, come on. Come on, like, you can do it too. So, absolutely <laughs> amazing, guys. This is myself and Coach Sarah signing out. Peace.